Oh yeah. Feel it. Get those clicks in. The synthesizer, the electronic keyboard, working it. Welcome to another episode of Chief End, where we begin with the American evangelical ideal and image and expectation of what it means to be a Christian, where you have Joel Osteen's justified white teeth, his flowing brown locks, Stephen Furtick's glistening biceps. Slap on Carl Lentz's eight-pack, running in slow motion down a Southern California beach while the masses look on in admiration. And John Piper and John MacArthur sip from their mini-umbrella-strewn non-alcoholic Mai Tais as they watch in approval from their holy portico from the cliff above. Uh, And with that, we're back to podcasting. And you say, well, Brandon, I thought you were going to do this once a week. Um, You said you were going to treat it like your youth pastor preaching. Um, Well, you can conclude from that that I must have been a lousy youth pastor. Um, Or I've just been absorbing uh, and processing all of the various things going on with the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, that's been going on at our place of worship. Uh, I think the last time I podcasted, I covered uh, pastors and pornography. And yeah, there's been a lot of things going on with that. And and it's what has inspired... We got we to gotta get a little bit more of this music in here. Just vi- visualize that Carl Lentz's 8-pack with Justin Bieber running behind with maybe a lifesaver or a lifeguard floaty device. Who else could come into this scene? Matt Chandler, shaking his fist, telling him to run faster. Uh, so the reason, I'm just going to let that kind of linger in the background. I'm actually trying a new uh, format for the podcast, new location, uh, podcasting at a my one of my favorite local coffee shops. Um, so there's birds chirping in the background, and there are cars driving by, so hopefully the background noise is not too loud. Trying some new equipment that supposedly allows you to quote-unquote podcast out in everyday life um, while minimizing the background sounds. So hopefully it doesn't sound like a construction site. Um, man, that chariot's a fire. Slow motion running. Uh, so why do I bring that up? Well, primarily because of this. I want to talk about Paul the Apostle. Um, and we're going to Google run with endurance scripture. Hebrews. Actually, it's not Paul the Apostle. It's the writer of Hebrews, since there's no official consensus um, on who wrote Hebrews, and there's no author identified. We'll just say the writer of Hebrews. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Two, one and two. 
Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Apparently, apparently, pastors and Christian culture in America is not, we're not familiar with endurance races. It says, run with endurance. We have this uh, image here in Hebrews of running a race, and it's titled here in uh, the KGV, or the New new KGV, uh, New KJV, um, the race of faith. And we hear a lot, oh, it's not a sprint, it's a long haul, it's a marathon, but it says run with endurance. And I think that Christianity would be, I'll just say this, I think I think some of the leaders at a certain church or two um, should actually kind of consider what running with endurance means. They should go look at some endurance races. And if you feel so inclined, pull up your iPad or your iPhone or computer screen and search endurance races. Just We're going to Google that. Endurance races. And once you get past the lame things like the Tough Mudder and all the fake endurance races, you'll find some crazy, crazy races. The Badwater Ultra Marathon, 135 miles, uh, stretches 23 miles continuously uphill, and it ends with more than a 6,000-foot vertical climb. I believe that's the one that goes from the floor of Death Valley up to the top of Mount Whitney, maybe. My, my American geography might be a little uh, might be a little bad. There's the Marathon de Sables, Sables um, 156 mile course that goes through the Sahara Desert. Okay, that that car passing definitely did not get filtered out on the background annihilator. There's the Pikes Peak Marathon, uh, which happens at 1400, 14,000 feet above sea level. There is the Leadville 100, which is another Colorado Rockies race. Um, and if you if you subscribe to a running magazine or you read some articles uh, about people who participate in these ultra endurance races, it's not a slow motion, flowing hair, muscular, pristine, calm running endeavor. A lot of nasty crap happens on these endurance races. Uh, you going to the bathroom in your shorts, throwing up, hallucinating, cramping, doubling over. Uh, there's a lot of junk that happens on these endurance races. I mean, and if you you probably have the most access to see the Ironman Triathlon, um, NBC Sports Network, they'll recap the Ironman Triathlon in Hawaii every year, and you watch that, and every single time, you know, on the bike or on the run, you know, somebody will double over, they'll cramp up, their their chain will break, they'll they'll crash, they'll be bloody, uh, 
um, you know, they'll be running and they can't run anymore. They'll double over and puke. They'll start cramping. They get carted off. They, you know, they need an IV. I mean, there's a lot of crummy, hard stuff that happens on these endurance races. And yet, even though Paul the Apostle, well, the writer of Hebrews, tells us to run the race with endurance, pastors especially promote this expectation that we're taking a slow motion slow motion stroll down a beach in pristine conditions and everybody's just perfect. And because that's the expectation, when the crap of endurance racing actually materializes in the life of the church, people freak out and they turn into Spanish Inquisition mode. It's, it's the expectation and experience gap. Um, it's something that applies to the entrepreneurial world, which I won't bore you with business stuff, but we have an expectation and then there's the real experience and the distance between those two is the expectation to experience gap. The bigger that gap, the, the worse you respond to you respond to the discrepancy. So if your expectation is perfection and this slow motion running scene and the Christian life is perfect, and then the experience is sin and temptation and gunk and deceit and sin and manipulation and deceit and gunk. When, when you run into that, there's a, that gap is wide and it's hard to bridge it. And so what a lot of people end up doing is they just throw their hands up and they go, ah, screw it, I'm never going to church again because the gap between their expectation and the experience is too big and they don't have any categories or mechanisms or frameworks or anything to in order to bridge that gap. So they just say, ah, the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites, so I'm going to bail. And from the pastors and leaders and elders standpoint, they have this expectation that, oh, everybody's got to be perfect. Pastors are perfect. Christian, the, 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 if you charted out the sanctification growth of the Christian, it would be a 45 degree angle shooting straight up with no bumps or bruises. Um, and when that doesn't materialize because that's a fantasy, then they freak out and they start Spanish inquisitioning people. Oh, they're in unrepentant sin. They're a disaster. We can no longer fellowship with them. And then they lean on a couple scriptures, um, and they use that to justify being graceless with fellow endurance runners. <laughs> you go, well, the scripture says, yeah, yeah, it does. But it also says, above all, love each other earnestly, for love covers a multitude of sins. It says, forgive 70 times 7. Um, or was it 70 times 70? I think it was 70 times seven. Um, take heed lest you fall. If anyone's overcome with sin, uh, seek to restore them gently. There's a, there's this theme of humility and graciousness and long suffering. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no record of wrong. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, we need, I, I think probably the most practical thing 
American Christianity could do is study endurance races for a month. Watch endurance races. Watch how hard and how taxing and how gross they are. People throwing up snot coming out of their nose. I mean, literally, I, I heard, I talked to one endurance runner and she, she, this is going to shock you. She said, you are not really an endurance runner until you've peed on the trail while you're running. And I was like, that's an image. That's great. That's a wonderful image. And then I tried it on my uh, little, you know, half mile run and uh, people frowned upon it. <laughs> Probably because half a mile doesn't constitute an endurance run. So what am I getting at here? I'm getting at the fact that pastors need to be a heck of a lot more gracious, a heck of a lot more long-suffering um, with fellow endurance runners. You know, it's the equivalent. They, they set themselves up, especially the more pharisaical ones. Um, they set themselves up as sort of these like judges of the endurance race. They remove themselves from the race and they're no longer running. They're riding along in an air-conditioned car, sort of like the Tour de France. You know, you see all the people grinding it out on the bike. And then there's the cavalcade of team team people in the cars, the sponsors and the owners and the trainers and all these things. And they're in the car in the AC driving along, you know, screaming and yelling, hey, go faster, go faster. Come on, push it, push it, push it, push it. Well, you're not, you're not out there suffering. You're not out there burning 12,000 calories a day. You have removed yourself into the, the comfort of an air-conditioned automobile. Um, and it would be the equivalent, imagine the, the Tour de France race, it would be the equivalent of one of the bikers struggling, okay? Flat tire, going up a hill, cramping. And the guy comes out and he goes, oh, this guy sucks. He's terrible. He's failing. And we're just going to run him off the road into a ditch and leave him. That's the mentality that I've seen over and over and over again with pastors who set themselves up into ivory towers, remove themselves from being a fellow endurance runner, and they become incredibly judgy, incredibly uh, rigid, and they lack grace. They lack the understanding that the endurance race is hard. Stop running parishioners and fellow pastors off into the ditch and then claiming, oh, we're just after the peace and purity of the church. Hogwash. You're not after the purity of the church. You're after purging the ugliness of endurance racing so that your image can look pristine and cute and match the chariots of fire expectation of the slow motion run down the beach, which everybody sits around and admires. Oh, you're so godly. And look at them. They're just so amazing. Hmm. It's not it. That's not the Christian life. It's not the Christian life. And you go, but Brandon, the Bible says, Paul says, do not associate with these types of people. Um, okay. I had this conversation a couple weeks ago with a guy. And I said, dude, I get it. I'm not, I'm not denying that there are uh, Matthew 18 type scenarios in the scripture where you come to him or her individually and then you bring another person and then you bring more and then eventually if they're unrepentant or you know they they, they don't want to they, they want they want to give up being an endurance race contestant um then yeah perhaps you get to that point but 
it we're we're we're, we're hell bent on jumping to the end. We're hell bent on jumping to the exclusion without suffering through the real hard, challenging things of what it means to be in an endurance race. And my favorite book is by the heavenly doctor Richard Sibbs. I, want, I always want to call him Sibbs, S-I-B-B-E-S. Um, and he has, he has a book called The Bruised Reed, and it's a great Puritan paperback, and it's on the passage out of Isaiah where it says that God will not break the bruised reed nor quench the smoking flax. And the picture is the long-suffering love of God. And I'm just so over pastors and elders and self-proclaimed leaders in the church being quick to break bruised reeds and being exceptionally quick to quench smoking flaxes. This is not pastoral. This is not Christian. And dare I say, it is, it, it's anti-Christian. Oh, but Brandon, you're saying that where sin abounds, let grace abound. All right, keep presenting, keep presenting uh, hasty generalizations that are, deta are completely detached from what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. Um, you're running a race of endurance, you start cramping. We need to have a long suffering approach with these people. You need to provide electrolytes and maybe an IV and maybe a power bar and maybe an energy chew. And maybe you need to slow your pace down. Maybe you need to get out of your stupid air conditioned pace car and remind yourself that you're supposed to be an endurance runner yourself. Stop removing yourself from the race, pastors. You yourself are an endurance runner and endurance running is hard and nasty. And I think that's why, I think that's why Matt Chandler has been on such this big kick of you must work yourself to the point of exhaustion. I think it's because his conscience convicts him that his life of leisure that he's constructed with multi-site book deal, I guarantee you the guy is not gripping about how he's going to pay his bills on a monthly basis. I guarantee that. He's easily, easily making, and if this is not the case, I'll publicly apologize. He's easily making a quarter million dollars a year. He has on top of that a housing allowance, which is probably thirty to $40,000 a year. He has medical benefits. He has, it's leisurely. These lifestyles are leisurely. You go, oh, but they have the pressure of, what, the pressure of riding in an air-conditioned car and knocking struggling endurance runners off into the ditch? Yeah, a lot of pressure there. Well, you got the pressure of, of hiding and covering up and defending sexual abuse with C.J. Mahaney? Oh no, Brandon's got a bone to pick with C.J. Mahaney. We should all have a bone to pick with C.J. Mahaney and Joshua Harris and Al Mohler and John Piper and anyone who has been complicit in covering up rampant sexual abuse for 30 years up in Gaithersburg, Maryland. 
Oh, Brandon, were you molested by CJ? Well, that's between me and the Lord. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. But we should all have a bone to pick with this stuff because we're the ones suffering. Not Maybe we're not the one getting run off in the ditch, okay? Maybe we're just running. But how many times are we going to stand idly by and watch a fellow runner get railroaded off into the ditch and abandoned and just go, oh, well, he deserved it. She deserved it. Yep, they're in unrepentant sin. Nine times out of ten, they're suffering the consequences of the difficulties that come with endurance racing. I mean, just imagine, imagine turning on the Iron Man and watching, oh, look, Al Troutwig with his famous Iron Man voice, and we're going to watch these world-class athletes swim 2.1 miles, 2.3, whatever it is, run a bike 112 miles and run a full marathon, all under 12 hours, I think is the time limit. Maybe it's 16, I can't remember. I think it's 12, maybe it's 16. Uh, Maybe it's 18, who knows. And let's just imagine you're watching this and when people start to struggle, the race organizers come out and just knock people over into the lava fields. Oh, you're disqualified because you started cramping. Oh, you fell behind the pace on your bike there, Mr. Peddler Man. And now our pace car is going to give you a little pit maneuver. And we're just going to watch you splat on the pavement. And we're going to take your bike and say, ha ha. And we're going to tell the other contestants, they're not a runner anymore. You'd go, dude, these people are insane. That's what we're doing with these pharisaical, and pardon my language, jackasses who call themselves elders and leaders in so many churches today. So, yeah, I've got a bone to pick. Yes, I have a bone to pick. And I feel like I've picked it. Um, So if you're a Christian listening to this, uh, like, actually study some endurance races. Like, go read some articles about people who start hallucinating and going the wrong direction and, and think that... There's this one guy who they found... Um, there's some endurance race movement in like Georgia, I think it's Georgia, Tennessee, somewhere in there. They kind of go travel around in some of the Southern States. And this guy just comes up with these bananas. I just crazy off the wall ideas for endurance races. And they were cataloging some of the, the craziest experiences that these runners had gone through. And there was this one where they had to do a seven mile, I think it was a seven mile loop. And there was no course. It was, you had, they would give you one clue and you had to go find that clue. And then that clue would give you another clue. And it was nothing. I mean, it was just like clue to clue to clue. And it was seven miles. And then you had to loop that for 20, like seven times, something silly like that. And it to make it to the final loop was like an accomplishment in and of itself. Anyway, there's this one dude who participated in it. And he, he disappeared. They couldn't find him. It was out in, the, out in the forest. And one of the participants disappeared. And so they, they launched a search for this guy. 
and they found him a few hours later. He was way off track. He was up on this ridge. And when they found him, he was acting as if he was a sanitation worker for the city in which he lived. And he was going up and down the residential streets, emptying people's trash cans into his trash truck. And they were like, bro. And he was literally 100% convinced that he was a sanitation worker. <laughs> emptying trash cans in the suburbs of wherever he lived. And they and they had to like essentially apprehend him and then get him medical attention and an IV. And like 36 hours later, he finally came back to his senses and was like, what happened? Last thing I knew, I was like falling down a hill. What, 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 what happened? And they had to fill him in on it. And he was like, no, no, that's not true. So stuff happens. Temptation, the world, the love of money, the cultural pressures, politics, the depravity of man is alive and well. And the Christian is called to run with endurance this race, which is not a slow motion beach jog. It's, a, it's an endurance race with very few markers, and you go from one clue to the next, glory to glory, so to speak. Um, you walk by faith, not by sight. And half the time, you you know, it's like, am I lost? Where am I headed? What am I doing? And you go, oh, Brandon, oh, you of little faith, how dare you shatter the bubble of what Christianity is supposed to be? Well, because I'm not interested in making money or selling books. I'm interested in trying to find the kernel of truth that exists for actually making it to the finish line. And in order to do that, you you can't, we've got to narrow this expectation to experience gap that's massive in the American church today. Ay, ay, ay. So I can already hear all of the Pharisees saying, oh, he's, he himself has disqualified because he is saying that where sin abounds, let grace abound. Anantema, we have nothing to do with thee. Go, go your way, young man, and reap judgment upon your head. Um, apparently that's how Pharisees talk. <laughs> and just so you know, I'm not the one, I'm not the target of any of this uh, Spanish Inquisition, but watching people around me get Spanish Inquisitioned, um, by people who have set themselves up on the moral high ground and in the air-conditioned pace car, um, running fellow endurance runners off track and leaving them for dead uh, is just quite frustrating. Um, so, yeah, Lord have mercy. I mean, Lord have mercy on them. Actually, Lord judge them. That's what I kind of hope. I mean... <laughs> You know, I don't know. It's like, it, are, are the are the leaders and elders that that promote these ideas, even after being confronted? I don't even want to say confronted. That's too hard of a term, perhaps. Even after being encouraged by several other endurance runners to maybe change course or get out of the air conditioned vehicle and start running with us again, um, and they dig their heels in and harden their position and 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 double down on their their position. Um, are they the, the, the guy that's locked in the cage and, and 
I'm just, what's the, oh man, something, the Smashing Pumpkin song. Despite all my rage, I am Jill, just a rat in a cage. We need some, we need a 90s day on this podcast. Maybe we'll do a little Rebecca St. James. A little Jennifer Knapp, pre-lesbian. Um, maybe, actually she claims she was a lesbian her whole life because she thinks she's born that way. Tough one. And a discussion for another podcast or maybe no podcast at all. Uh, we could get some DC talk, um, some newsboys. That'd be fun. Little, who's that ska band? Five Iron Frenzy? Was that their name? Wow. That's a throwback to some crappy music. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, but no, in Pilgrim's Progress, the dude that's locked in the cage and he can't get out and the interpreter i think it was in the castle or the house that he was in says that that's the man who seared his conscience and i wonder i wonder you know here i am saying we need to be long suffering and gracious and all these things um but when it comes to pastors who double and triple and quadruple down on their scripturally untenable positions in order to maintain the facade and the masquerade that they're holy and set apart makes me want to yak and I'm not too sure that God has grace for people in leadership positions who continue to double down on such ungracious positions. I mean, you read Christ and he was constantly roasting the religious leaders of his day who were doing just that. And you look around the evangelical landscape these days and it's like these people are the Pharisees. They've set themselves apart in their ivory towers and they are insisting that everyone adhere to these rigid requirements. Yeah, so I don't know. It's hard for me to have grace for these people. It is very hard for me to have grace for these people. Um, much easier for me to have grace with a fellow endurance runner who's cramping and in need of some electrolytes and maybe a little break in the medical tent um, before we can go along on our journey together um, than for me to have grace for the clowns in the pace cars with their air conditioning and their gas-powered motors yelling at us to get off our butts and move. Um, yeah, so pound sand, as I've said probably a hundred times before. Uh, yikes. Yikes. So, if you're a Christian, study endurance racing. Read up on experiences that people have while they're endurance racing and start to use that framework not only in your life but also in the lives of other christians that you know like holy cow we should be so gracious with fellow endurance runners because the race is difficult and maybe that's my charge and exhortation to pastors stop setting the expectation that the race is easy and if you are setting the expectation that the race is hard, stop setting the expectation that running it is without challenge. And when fellow racers run into challenges, stop running them off into the lava fields and leaving them to bleed to death. And then telling everybody proudly, they have abandoned the faith. They have failed. They are hypocrites. We shall have nothing to do with them. Let the crows and buzzards eat them as they sizzle on the 140-degree lava rocks. 
I, yi, yi. Man, man, man. I'm just going to say it. I freaking hate American evangelicalism. Hate it. Hate. Hate with a capital H. So, um, oh, Brandon, you're so full of, um, hey, definition, feel intense or passionate dislike for something. Yeah, I do. I feel intense and passionate dislike, uh, for a system that claims to embody the person of Christ and then who creates a system that behaves the complete opposite of how Christ would behave. Yeah, it's pretty deplorable to me. It definitely engenders feelings of intense and passionate dislike. So I am, as much as I'm roasting and being ungracious with leaders so-called, um, I really do and really am pushing for us to be much more long-suffering with people who are, who are cramping and experiencing blowouts on their bike and getting kicked in the face on the swim portion of the triathlon and, you know, we're pedaling into a 40 mile an hour headwind across the lava flats going, why did I sign up for this? This sucks. It's 129 degrees on this black top. Why? Why? <laughs> and I'm just going to throw out there that if you haven't felt that in your Christian walk, there's a very good chance that your expectation and experience gap needs some adjusting. <laughs> if you have not throughout the life of your Christian journey said, why? <laughs> what am I doing? And you haven't been tempted to climb off of your bike, flip it upside down and just start smashing it on the road. There's a good chance uh, that maybe you're in the wrong race. So um, yeah, if you haven't felt like just in the swim portion, it's like, okay, I got kicked in the face for the 97th time in the last 50 meters. I think I'm just gonna pretend like I'm treading water and then just sink and not come back up. I mean, if you haven't felt that, uh, I mean, I think even Paul the Apostle said that they despaired of life at times. Um, yeah, if you haven't felt that, you need to you, you, your expectation and experience gap needs some ironing out. So let's remind ourselves that God does not break the bruised reed. He does not quench the smoking flax. Let re let's remind ourselves that first Peter says above all. Now, I don't know what above all means, but I think it means above all, like maybe trumping everything else, maybe paramount to everything else that we've talked about. Maybe, hey, above all, hey, you know, I've talked about a lot of stuff, but if, uh, forget all those things above all those things primary love one another earnestly for love covers a multitude of sins and i even had one guy when i quoted that verse with him two weeks ago he goes well what does a multitude mean i was like are you what what does a multitude mean like once you start what are you satan incarnate did god really say like you need are you the are you the serpent sitting across the table from me? Where's your forked tongue, devil man? What does a multitude mean? And what does sins really mean? Are you joking me? You pharisaical beep 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 
edited for the Christian audience. What does a multitude mean? What does sins mean? Holy, I, I'm not a cussing man because let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but man, I want to beep it up. And I said, look, bro, why, why, why are you so bent? Why do you have a hair trigger to unload the mag clip in the guy or gal that is in the race, but running into some opposition? Why do you want to mag dump them? And you go, what's a mag dump? Go to Instagram and search some police videos. You'll find out very quickly what a mag dump is. Drop it. I said, drop it. Boom, 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 boom. Click, 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 click. Our pastors in this country want to mag dump people at the at the first sign of struggle. Well, it's not the first sign. We've known about this issue for, it's been an ongoing issue, and we have uh, discussed it and approached it numerous times, and it's an unrepentant thing at this point, so mag dump him. Holy cow. Holy cow. So yeah, hate. I do hate, I do hate evangelicalism. I'm, I love the, I, I, and here's the, here's where I really am, you know, I hate the leaders of evangelicalism. I think that's what it boils down to. Not all of them, but probably 99 point something. Uh, maybe that's even overspeak, but probably not. Um, so yeah, let's be patient. Let's be long suffering above all love each other earnestly for it cov for love covers a multitude of sins love is kind patient long suffering keeps no record of wrongs <laughs> so yeah let's please for the love of god and the good of the church christians let's adopt and let's study endurance racing and let's adopt a much more gracious posture towards fellow endurance runners. And maybe what we should do is maybe maybe we should slash the tires on the pace cars and chase them out of their pace cars, flip them over and burn them like, you know, protesting uh, per Parisians. I love how Paris has a socialist riot like every nine days. We want more money. Well, you've already sucked everything out of the government, so there's nothing less left. We don't care. We want more. Well, there's nothing more. We don't care. Give us more. Um, man, socialism is dumb, but that's a topic for a totally separate podcast because this is all about theology, supposedly, the chief end, where I argue, allegedly, that the chief end of man is humility, which is really just the other side of the coin of glorifying God. So I don't know if you got it. I don't know if humility came across in this particular podcast because I do uh, rant and rave against the pace car setters. Um, but yeah, if you, if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, let's take this approach. Let's, let's, let's give people electrolytes. Let's slow our own pace down and maybe, bandage them up let's uh maybe even get off of our bike and and help push uh you know if you see a fellow if you see somebody on the sw on the swimming leg of the race just give up after they've been kicked in the face 94 times and they just are sinking 
maybe try to save him. Maybe put him in a little choke lock. <laughs> Lifeguards have to do that. And I'm sure now that I said that, that's what pastors are going to go. Oh yeah, that's what, that's what we're doing. We're swimming with everybody. We're just putting them in a choke lock. Because if we don't put them in a choke lock, then they're just going to damage other every, everybody else. And once they come to their senses, then we'll take them out of the choke lock. Um, so yeah, let, let's run with endurance. Um, and let's be kind and gracious to fellow runners. Because it's a tough race. It is. It's a hard race. Um, especially if you're trying to live it like in a fashion that somewhat mirrors Christ, it is a difficult race because there's sin in us, there's sin in the world. Um, so let's have grace. Let's plead the Lord for grace. Um, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I think that's it. So no more chariots of fire, people. Actually endurance races. Bye.